Hello, welcome to Gunfighter Cast, episode number 145. Today, myself and my old buddy Andy Padilla, we're going to talk a little bit about safety rules. How you doing, Andy? Yeah, how's it going? So, Andy, you've never been on Gunfighter Cast before, have you? Briefly in Okinawa. Right, yeah, okay. You, you were on once a long time ago, that's right. Um, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but I'm sure it was something important <laughs> and intelligent, right? For sure, without a doubt. So, uh, Andy and I have known each other for a long time. We used to uh, work in Okinawa together, uh, getting Marines, the 9 3 guys, ready for deployments to Afghanistan, and also taking all those same cats out on different exercises all over the Pacific Theater. So, uh, we worked together for a while. Uh, and then when Andy was going to retire about a year after me, um, I hired him to work with me at Thunderbird Farms Academy. Uh, as kind of my right-hand man. And then whenever I left Thunderbird, he took over as the director of training there. That's that's what he's doing now. We're going to take a little quick break, and we're going to come right back, and we're going to talk about uh, safety rules, or really my problem with some of the traditional safety rules and what I've done to rewrite those. And uh, whether I'm right or wrong is up to you, but uh, this is uh, where I'm at. So we'll be right back. Primary Weapon Systems has a summer rebate sale going on until the end of August. Get $200 cash rebate on any in-stock rifle, pistol, or upper. As a listener of Gunfighter Cash, you get that $200 instantly at checkout at primaryweapons.com using the code SHAW200. You can also use the code SHAW10 on other purchases at primaryweapons.com for 10% off. All right, welcome back. So when I say the safety rules that are out there, you know, Andy, what are the, what are, what are the traditional safety rules that we hear? That usually, most people know. Yeah, usually uh, you would hear something like treat every weapon as if it were loaded. Okay. So treat every weapon as if it were loaded. Um, if I am an instructor and I have a student there shooting in my class and they're not doing so well with the handgun, uh, usually whenever they learn what they're doing wrong, which is usually always trigger, uh, the instructor will often tell them to go home and practice dry firing. Can I possibly treat my firearm as if it were loaded while I'm dry firing? I, nope. I don't think so. Nope. Definitely, I, definitely not. I, I'm, I'm treating it as if I unloaded it, and now I'm dry firing it. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with dry firing, because I, I dry fire often, and uh, it's it's part of my, my practice regimen that I do. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with dry firing. The problem that I have with this is, is an instructor is giving... the part, When we say an instructor... We're talking about people who come to classes who don't know anything. These are brand new students uh, that are really the, the most affected here. And they're told, like, here's the hard and fast safety rules. You have to treat every weapon as if we're loaded. You never point a weapon at anything you don't intend to destroy. Anything this covers, you have to be willing to destroy it. You know, they give them this whole spiel. And then an hour later, they tell them they need to go home and unload their gun and point it at something and practice dry firing in their house with an unloaded safe gun, right? Safe gun, whatever they're saying. So the problem is... They're giving after telling all this authority and all this power to the safety rules, they immediately take that authority and power away because they present the student with a situation where it's perfectly fine to violate two safety rules. Even after they've probably already said that if you violate two rules, that's when we have a catastrophic accident. Somebody's hurt bad when two rules are violated at the same time, right? And that may be, but we just gave them a situation where it's okay to violate two rules. It is okay to not treat that gun as if it were loaded right now. It is okay to point that gun at a light switch on a wall, your TV, or mm-hmm. whatever it is. It's perfectly fine to do that. So if we are creating conditions or explaining conditions or saying it's okay in certain conditions to violate two safety rules, what does that say about the other safety rules? I think it also takes power away from them. So 
are there also conditions where it's okay to violate those safety rules too? And so I, I don't agree with the safety rules that exist where there's actual conditions where it's okay to violate those rules because then they're no longer rules. So that's why a few years ago, I, I rewrote my safety rules for my classes um, that I teach. And uh, I'm not sure if Thunderbird's still using them or if they use the old ones. Yeah. You're still using the same yeah, ones? Sure. Okay. Um, I, and I, I, th- I think they're the best that I can do. And they've changed a little bit in the last few years. I've, I've changed them multiple times. I've changed some word here and there. I've changed complete phrases a few times because uh, I'm trying to, to get the best safety rules that I possibly can. And I'm not saying I'm smarter than anybody else who's written safety rules. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not that arrogant. I'm saying I, I did not, I was not able to find any safety rules that I believe really address the concerns that should be addressed when using a defensive handgun and, and a rifle. Um, so I, I started out with rule number one. Rule number one, pretty simple. Be relentlessly aware of your muzzle, ensuring it's always pointed in the relative safest direction. So I, I'm not saying never point it at something. I'm not saying never do anything. I'm saying be relentlessly aware of your muzzle, ensuring it's always pointed in the relative safest direction. So the safe direction is relative. And I'm on the range. People, I'll say, hey, what's the safe direction while we're on the range? And they're all going to say... What are they going to say, Andy? Downrange. They're always going to say, they, they say downrange all the time, right? Andy was pointing, so it sounded like he wanted to say something or seemed like he did. Um, they always say downrange. And I'm like, well, downrange is awesome until I'm standing downrange. And I'm like, hey, guys, come gather around me. I'm going to talk about this next concept or idea that we're going to cover. Uh, come stand around. I'm going to demonstrate. And then I'm downrange of them. Um, downrange is no longer a safe direction. If they have to handle their firearm, which there's really not any reason they should at the time, um, Downrange is not the what place that gun should be pointed. If we go to the gas station or uh, we're in the mall, we have to use our gun or a parking lot or in our home, there is no downrange area. So I don't believe in training for a downrange area. Uh, I'm not a fan of that at all. I believe there's only relative safest directions. And whenever uh, one's, what was just a few minutes ago a safe direction, it may no longer be a safe direction in the next instance. So I have to be relentlessly aware of my muzzle, ensuring it's always pointed in the relative safest direction. Um, the safest is relative. Um, d- depending on where my gun's pointed, uh, there may not be a perfectly good, perfect direction or way, way for that gun to be pointed, depending on what my situation is in. So I need to go with the relative safest direction. What is the absolute best way I can hold this gun? So part of being the... Uh, uh, that safety rule, being relentlessly aware of the muzzle, ensuring it's always pointed in the relative safest direction, we have to have a few tools. And the tools that we use to make sure we do that is ready positions or carry positions. You know, I've got the gun in my holster, which is a really, really good place to carry my gun because it's I'm not muzzling anybody. It's not, it's not in a position where uh, I can even point at anybody. But before my gun comes out of the holster... I need to be considering my muzzle's orientation. Even before the gun, even before I'm gripping my gun, as I'm drawing my gun, I need to be considering muzzle orientation because I have a little seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. And if I'm carrying uh, in my waist, inside my waistband, I've got my son near me, I need to be spatially aware and understand where he is in relation to me, my holster, my gun, the angle of draw that I'm going to make as I present it to either a ready position or to the target uh, and make sure I am not pointing my gun in a position that's not safe for him. So I use a term uh, in my classes and explain, I need to be, the, the level of safety that I use or the way I measure the safest direction is I need to be safe for myself and everyone else around me, but I also need to be lethal to the person who's needing lethal force applied to them right now. 
the evildoer, if you will. Um, so even before my gun's coming out of the holster, I'm considering, okay, I can't fire until I get through that crowd of people and around that corner. So maybe I don't even draw my gun until I get to that corner. But then I have to consider, is not drawing my gun till I get to that corner creating more danger for me? You know, so there's, it's, it's, all, it's a lot of thinking going on. It's not just draw the gun and move. It's I am considering everything in my environment. I'm being spatially aware. Yeah. Uh, I'm understanding the area that I'm in, the people that are around me, uh, the levels that they're at, as if my, my son's a, a little guy, so he's not very tall. Uh, even if he was, I could still be muzzling his legs or something else. So I want to limit that. I want to make it where I don't muzzle myself, anyone else, but I also have the gun close enough to a firing position that... Uh, I am not endangering myself or somebody else by being too slow to get that gun in the fire position. Does that make sense, Andy? Definitely. I mean, that's that that's the spot on with uh, with my thoughts. Um, some some something that that I like to uh, uh, preach too is uh, back to that spatially uh, aware of, of where you're at. Um, the environment that 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 we most likely find ourselves ourselves in, what we hear a lot of, is, is a 360 degree environment. I like to think of it more of a spherical environment, and we're in the center of that sphere. So we got things uh, above us, below us, all around us, and there's also depth to that as well. So uh, there's there's a lot going on there that we have to think about. Yep, and we should be thinking about that before the gun even comes out of the holster, and then after it comes out, we're being relentlessly aware of that muzzle and ensuring it stays pointed in the relative safest direction. Um, and that's pretty much it for uh, safety rule number one. And and in case you didn't get this one down, be relentlessly aware of your muzzle, ensuring it's always pointed in the relative safest direction. Uh, rule number two, pretty simple one. Um, it, it's common in, in pretty much every bank of safety rules that you may hear, read, or see. Um, keep your finger off the trigger and outside of the trigger guard until you're on target and ready to fire. Uh, there's no reason for your finger to be on the trigger if you're not on target and ready to fire. It's not safe to have your finger on the trigger if you're not on target and ready to fire. And we're talking about not just on the target and ready to fire, but uh, it is time for me to press this trigger. That's when my finger's going to go on the trigger. If I move back to whatever ready position that I'm using, or I'm going back to the holster, or if I'm changing levels or making any kind of movement whatsoever, I'm not in the act of firing anymore, then the finger should move off the trigger and move outside the trigger guard. Pretty simple one there. Uh, keep your finger off the trigger and outside the trigger guard till you're on target and ready to fire. Uh, third safety rule. Now, this one's a little bit different. So it, I see this, it applies to pretty much every rifle that comes to class, but it doesn't apply to every handgun. Most defensive handguns that I see coming to classes on a regular basis are striker-fire handguns with no safety zone. No external switch to flip on or off. Uh, we're seeing mostly the striker fire guns come in, you know, your Glock, Smith Wesson MP series, uh, all those, everybody makes one these days. Because of that, this rule doesn't really apply to everybody. And I have a small little adage on it too for, um, that I explain to people who have uh, decockers on their guns. So if I, rule number three being, keep the weapon on safe until you're in the act of presentation. Now that could be a rifle or a handgun. If I am in the act of presenting this gun to a target, that's when it, during that act, is whenever it's most efficient for you in that draw and it's time to fire, then that finger can flip that switch off safe. We can put the gun on fire and uh, do what we need to do during that act of presentation, whether it's a rifle or a handgun. Putting the gun on fire should be part of that presentation with a rifle or handgun. It should be something that we practice, whether you're using 
whatever gun you're using, uh, rifle or handgun, uh, part of our skill set in using that firearm efficiently should be putting in work of disengaging that safety during the act of presentation, whether it's present presentation from a ready position or presentation from a holster. Um, that is a skill set. Another skill set that's often overlooked is putting that gun back on safe. Putting the gun back on safe before I move left or right, change levels from cover to cover, uh, move from a standing to a kneeling to a prone position. Uh, anytime I'm making any kind of movement or doing anything else or returning to the holster, the gun should go back on safe. Um, the same thing if we're using a, a double single. Uh, I, I, I interchange the words for decock. Uh, if my gun, if I'm using a SIG 226 or a gun that has a, 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 a decocker, but it doesn't have a safety, before I move, change levels, any of those things, whatever I'm doing, that gun should be decocked. I should not be doing those things in that single action mode. It would be just like doing those things with a 1911 on fire in single action, which would be unsafe. Uh, I shouldn't be doing with my rifle. Um, I, I, that gun should be on safe. We could go into all kind of different little uh, things we may in the future uh, I've got some things planned for some stoppages and some other stuff in the future and uh, maybe maybe I'll put one on there about transitioning from a primary or from a rifle down to a handgun and, and not just I'm not talking about what everybody does on the range where they just drop the rifle and draw out the handgun and shoot that's just the beginning part that's the easy part of the transition the goal should be getting the real gun back up making it work but what do we do what are the individual small little detail things that we do when we're transitioning from rifle to handgun or handgun back to rifle? What's the priority of work? Uh, all those kind of things. And some of that involves having the gun on safe um, when we're doing those things. So that's rule number three. Keep the weapon on safe until we're in the act of presentation. Uh, and you decockers, uh, the gun should be decocked if we're not, when we return to, maybe not when we return to a ready position, before we move, change levels or return to the holster. Uh, I'm going to take a little quick break and come back, and I'm going to cover uh, uh, safety rules that I, I believe is uh, almost always explained improperly or not given the most amount of infamous emphasis that it should have on it. And uh, we'll talk about the four safety rule here in just a minute. If you're looking for the highest quality in 1911s, look no further than Nighthawk Custom. Nighthawk is giving away a custom 1911 every 90 days this year. Enter for your chance to win a Nighthawk Custom Shadowhawk with a Surefire X300 Ultra by visiting www.nighthawkcustom.com forward slash gunfightercast. There's no purchase necessary, and there are many ways to get more entries. All right, welcome back. Fourth safety rule that I use. Um, pretty pretty simple. simple one. I, I hear one that's very often used. Uh, I was always told in the Marine Corps it was the fifth safety rule, but the idea is be sure of your target and what lies beyond. That's what I heard all growing up in the Marine Corps all the time, be sure of your target and what lies beyond. Um, and I, I do believe the be sure of your target is is important. I need to make sure that this is the person that needs bullets in them. This is the person that needs to be shot. It's not my teenage son sneaking in the window at night because he snuck out to see his girlfriend. That's happened many times. Or the drunk uncle comes home and knows where you hide the key, so he comes in the door, knocks a lamp over, tries to crash on the couch, and somebody shoots a shadowy figure that is actually a loved one. It's happened many times in history and because people are not sure of their target. Uh, we have to be sure of the target. And that may need, mean uh, verbal identification, give them a chance to identify themselves. Uh, I'm a big believer in, in bright white lights uh, to be able to do those things, but I need to be able to positively identify my target. Be sure of your target and ensure that its foreground and background remain clear. So I'm not so only worried about what lies beyond right now. We live in a 360 degree spherical 
ever moving, I hate the word, dynamic environment where there's people running. We're talking active shooter in a public environment. There's chaos. People are dropping to the ground in the absence of cover. Uh, people are moving to X's. People are running away. Uh, some people are hysterical, running somewhere they probably shouldn't be running. Uh, who knows? But I, I have to, it needs to be something I'm actively thinking about. So I, I chose active words uh, in this, this safety rule. Be sure of your target and ensure that its foreground and background remain clear. This is not something that's done once. It's not something that's done before the first shot. It's done constantly, the entire time of this engagement. In in my situation that we we may find ourselves in, I may have to draw my firearm and shoot three shots to the chest, and sometime before that fourth one's going, I see that there's three kids running through the background. Or there's somebody about to cross my foreground because they don't know what's going on right then. They're just seeing the exit sign and they're trying to get there. Um, it's my responsibility for where my bullets go. Uh, people have said many times, I've heard a thousand times, that there's a lawyer attached to every bullet. And I, I want to punch the guy in the face who said that the first time. I believe that we're better than that. There's a life attached to every bullet. And it needs to be that bad guy's life, not uh, some innocent person's life. And it's, that's our responsibility. That person who you're having to stop in that defensive situation is they don't care they're they're not there to to worry about somebody else's life they they, they don't care where their bullets are going but we're better than that we're we're the good guys we're trying to uh save ourselves our, our family members that person's forced us to stop them from hurting other people or us um we have to be 100% responsible for every round that comes out of that bullet and not because of our bank accounts our wallets or our insurance or anything else but because that's the kind of people we are and we have a reverence for human life that goes way beyond what those bad guys have. Um, so I need to make sure my foreground and background remain clear. Um, one of the things that I work a lot in classes is uh, movement. And not just shooting and moving at the same time, but shooting, then moving. Uh, shooting, finding, scanning, processing information, and then moving to another location uh, because the position that you're firing in now is no longer your dominant position to engage that target from because of what's happened in the foreground or the background. And that may require us to move forward, backward, left, or right, uh, maybe a few steps, maybe a long distance, uh, it just because I need to make sure that I'm actively clearing my foreground and background. One of my, my favorite drills that I do in classes um, I, I, people are maybe familiar with uh, the figure eight drill that Rob Pincus does in, uh, in his combat focused shooting course. And I've taken a few of those, never one with Rob, but with some of his instructors. And it's, I, I've taken the idea of walking around cones in a figure eight and I changed it up a lot. I haven't really seen anybody else do this. So I'm still looking for that thing, right? That I, that I invent in the farms industry. So maybe this is it. Um, I've recently started taking the entire range and 20 or 30 targets and setting them out there um, all over the place with four in foregrounds and backgrounds of each other. And uh, they're all numbered. So uh, I'll run a student through this after I've taught protection of third party, movement with dominant positions, uh, drawing and moving offline, a lot of things like that. And I have all them use all these skills and actually have to scan and actually have to find that next target and make sure the foreground and the background is clear and then find their best dominant position, move to that one quickly, clear the foreground and background, and then engage the target. Uh, sometimes they have to move forwards, sometimes they have to move backwards, sometimes they have to move laterally, but it's, uh, it's the, one of the only ways I've ever found to actually train the use of the safety rules because they're also, they're not only clearing foregrounds and backgrounds, but they're ensuring that their muzzles point in the relative safest direction. Because every if, I, if there's 20 numbered targets out there, um, the number that I call is the only bad guy 
everyone else. They need to move to that position, choosing a proper ready position, choosing proper movement techniques, choosing proper angles so that they're being uh, safe for everyone around them with respect to being lethal to the bad guy. And uh, they really dig it, and it, it gets to stress up a little bit. And, you know, thinking with a gun in your hand is always good training. Bravo Concealment Holsters is a high-quality holster manufacturer based out of Texas. The customer service at Bravo Concealment is unmatched. And when you buy from Bravo Concealment, you get a 30-day money-back guarantee and an unlimited lifetime warranty. Visit bravoconcealment.com and use the code GUNFIGHTER at checkout for 10% off your next holster. All right, guys, welcome back. Thanks for listening to this episode of Gunfighter Cast. Hope you got something out of those safety rules. If you have any comments or questions or, or anything, uh, hit me up, DanielShaw0369 at gmail.com or uh, Facebook or Instagram, DanielShaw0369 on both of those. Um, guys, if you, if you really like Gunfighter Cast and you listen to every episode, uh, I really appreciate that. But if you want to help out the show, you can become a patron through Patreon. Uh, go to patreon.com slash gunfightercast. And what happens there is basically you can pledge a dollar or $10 or whatever you want per episode. And uh, you can set a cap. So if I do eight episodes and you pledge a dollar, uh, you get you pay $8 on the first of the following month for however many episodes that I release. Um, you control it 100%, and it really helps me out a lot, uh, crowdsourcing and helping fund the show and doing everything I do and getting the guests on and bandwidth and websites and all that good stuff. So uh, if you want to help out, I really appreciate it. If not, they're going to keep being free anyway. And until next episode, thanks for listening. Gunfighter Cast out.